Today's JJ Reddick podcast is brought to you by Belvedere Vodka. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Good luck in 18. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. Welcome back to the JJ Reddick Podcast. I have a great episode this week for you guys. Uh, I know it's been a few weeks since my last episode with Kemba Walker. Just been preparing for the season. I want to go right into my conversation with Hassan. This one was a lot of fun. Hassan has been a senior correspondent on The Daily Show for the last four years on Comedy Central. And his weekly Netflix show, The Patriot Act, premieres next month on Netflix. Um, I'm very excited to hear about his show and talk to him about his love of the NBA. Let's get to my conversation with Hassan Minaj. So you grew up in Davis. Yeah. What's, do you have a connection to yeah, Davis? Yeah, I do have a connection to Davis. So um, my one of my best friends from Duke yeah. grew up in Davis. His father taught at UC Davis. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And so after my freshman year of uh, at duke and after my sophomore year at duke i made like as soon as the school year was done i made like a week-long trip out to davis and um that's insane so i played at like the student rec center sure um would play pickup over there the arc would you just dominate <laughs> just yeah kids. i remember the first game was like me my buddy and like yeah. some randos from uc davis and then we played like five asian kids <laughs> and then the next game was like some of the like the actual uc davis players yeah, like, yeah. walk-ons yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah it was i mean i dominated yeah. for sure but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I also, there's, That's hilarious. there's this one, like, so I was Did, People knew who you were at that point. Yeah, people, yeah. I mean, like, we were all in college. I mean, it was different then. There was no social media, but. Sure, but, no, but you were one of the most hated players in college. Yeah. I didn't get the hate from UC Davis. So were you, what year did you graduate high school? This is what I wanted to figure out. You yeah. might have been there. So I graduated in, I graduated high school in 2003. Oh, then you were there. Yeah. So you were, you were playing at Duke, what, 04, yeah. 05? So that, I, when I went there after my sophomore year, yeah. you were definitely yeah. a freshman at UC Davis. Yeah. And you were one of the most hated. Yeah. It's, it's so wild because if you were to think about, take a, take a snapshot of where we're at sort of like politically and culturally, the way people get trolled, you probably were one of the most yeah. for that time. Yeah. Did you like it? Did I like getting trolled? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you were also very good. I, a small part of me did. A small part of me did. But like it, I mean, I'll be honest, like I, I spent three years in therapy at Duke. I mean, really? It was a lot to process. Oh, like, wow. Think about I it. Cognitively, know emotionally, you know, you're not prepared for Like I yeah. grew up in a small town in Virginia. I'm not prepared for. But I remember like seeing you on TV. This is like where like perception isn't reality. Like yeah. watching you on TV and like kind of, you sort of had like the 98 degrees Backstreet Boys. Lee I had a Caesar cut. cut. Yeah, the Caesar, Caesar cut. cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your hair always looked wet. You know, like yeah. that look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA looks gel. Like I was all still of using it. gel at yeah, that yeah, point yeah. in my life. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was a big deal, man. Yeah. It was a big deal. Um, and then, um, 
Now, I got to tell you, yeah. this is, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I haven't really gotten in like many fights in my life. A couple of fist fights when I was okay. a kid. Okay. Actually, at UC Davis, a guy punched me in the face. Um, in but, the rec center? No, he was my buddy. He was uh-huh. one of the guys that came out uh, with me from Duke. <laughs> he punched me. He gave me a black eye. It was like a week before my sister's wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. It wasn't a good look. But uh-huh. while I was at UC Davis, like I nearly got into like a fight. And yeah. we were like at a house party. And yeah. Some kid, he was like this skinny little like five eight kid. He had a like a coat on, and he he was like causing ruckus to this fight. And I didn't know him. I, I didn't really know whose party it was either. Yeah, and, yeah. Like people were like shoved him, just kind of shoving him out of the room. And like yeah. as he was walking out of the room, like I was inebriated, and I I said something to him. You know, like <laughs> shit talking basically. So yeah. he's like, "Come on outside." So I was like, "All right, let's go." So I went outside, and he he pulled out like a trident on me out of his coat. What? <laughs> it was the crazy. Like he was Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know. It was the craziest. That, that's my. That is my lasting memory of uh-huh. UC Davis. Uh-huh. Is this little kid like a, pulling out a trident? It's a lovely town. We have a frog tunnel, and you got a. Yeah. I tried to pull that out of you. It is a nice place, man. It's an idyllic community. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're so you're you're a huge NBA fan. Huge. And huge. so when I was going out there, this is when the King. This is oh three oh four. Yeah. And this is when the we Kings had our run. Uh-huh, were amazing. We yeah. watched all those playoff games. Yeah. We were an incredible um, team. We got robbed. I, I would agree. Who was who was your favorite player on that team? So actually, believe it or not, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but. One of the first games my dad took me to when I was a kid, it was in 1992, I was seven years old, was Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley wow. is one of my favorite players. Yeah. But he, wow. I mean, he, unfortunately, he had that, that yeah, big, yeah. Yeah, injury and stuff like that. But I felt like I felt a big connection sure. to him because he was like small and undersized. I was sort of small and undersized. But yeah, that whole era, Mitch Richmond, uh, I mean, I can give you the lineup. Lionel Simmons, Wayman Tisdale, Dwayne Cosby, so you're, like you're like an OG Kings, Kings fan. Kings fan, yeah, before yeah. they were good. Yeah, before they were good. And then up and through the sort of the white chocolate Jason Williams, yeah. Chris. I remember when we got Chris Webber. I remember how pissed everyone was because he was a big question mark. No one knew if he was going right. to pan out. He had all that stuff with the Washington Bullets at the time. They weren't yeah. the Wizards. Yeah. But then that was the heyday, me being in high school and seeing them. They Bibby came over, and then we had that big rivalry with the Lakers, and we just got our hearts broken. Do you still root for the Kings? Of course. Is unfor- it hard? Yes, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. But I actually, I, I love that underdog story. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best. But we get we get shat on a lot from Warriors fans. What if the underdog story never pans out? It's I mean it's an allegory for life. It's an allegory for life. <laughs> the, I mean, I mean what, what ends up happening? We all grow old and we die anyways. But it's the journey that matters. I I like it, man. I like it. I, I can only imagine being imagine being in the Bay Area and you're like a hardcore Warriors fan, and then you see all of this this new Silicon Valley money come in and all of that bottom section. And I've been to Warriors. It's awful. Yeah. Section 201 up top. Yeah. Two and above. That's, that's, I feel like the atmosphere has changed totally in the last five or six years. Totally. Um, totally. I mean, they still get up for it for playoff games for sure, but it's I remember going same, there early yeah. in my career when yeah. they weren't even a playoff team. Yeah. And the, the, the crowd was nuts. Dude, shout out to the Filipino community that's backed up. Like, I mean, it's, they are hardcore, yeah. man. But so it's that, you know, to me. So you're, you live in New York now. I live in New York. I lived here for four years. Yeah. You lived here for four years. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no sort of allegiance to the Knicks. Uh, I go to Knicks games and I love Knicks fans. Knicks fans are the best because they have that same sort of familial relationship. I remember I went to a Knicks game last year. They lost, they got blown out. And then Courtney Lee was leaving the court. And there's a bunch of sort of hardcore fans. And they were like, Courtney, unacceptable. 
And he was like, all right. But the look on their face was like the way you would yell at your like nephew or something. Right. Why are you doing this to me? I remember I went to the draft. It was in Brooklyn. When they drafted Porzingis, there's all these guys in Knicks gear. They were from like Staten Island or whatever. It's like 16 dudes. And then Porzingis gets drafted. And they're like, fuck, <laughs> this always happens to us. Remember he got booted, the whole thing. And then they just got up and left. Yeah. Now you want to stay? No, fuck this. And I, I like really respected them. There was like this Sacramento Kings vibe with them where it's like, we've been through a lot, but it's right. still family. It's interesting that you bring this up because yeah. I do feel like there's a who's lot. Your of, te- who's your team? I didn't up? have a team growing up. I mean, I rooted in for Virginia. I root for I root for greatness. Oh, God. I root for the Bulls. Yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> I root for you're greatness. the worst. My team was uh, fundamentally. So, so in the '90s, I loved I loved the Bulls. I thought they were great. Uh, I loved Duke. Um, I liked the Dallas Cowboys. Come on. <laughs> Come on. No, the Cowboys part. I'm I, I love how JJ, you're like, look, man. When I was at Duke and everyone hated me, I had to go through you know years yeah. of therapy, and I just want people to know perception isn't reality, and you know I'm not just this guy you should hate. Uh, you know what? I just love every team that wins. <laughs> Blake, Blake Griffin and I had this ongoing joke, like yeah. year to year. Like he would be like, if you know, if Oklahoma was number one, obviously, like he's from Oklahoma, he'd yeah. root for them. But then, yeah. like, we'd be watching a national championship game, college football, and he'd like pull out a, like a Florida State jersey. You know, like he's he's always like, oh, he'd be like, he's, I'm rooting like, for the winner. Yeah, like, he, I picked a winner. He's like Drake. You know, how Drake yeah. always oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. wearing a jersey. Yeah. Whoever's wearing. you're a Kentucky fan now. All right. Yeah, you have nothing to do with Kentucky. <laughs> I was gonna say though, uh, it's interesting that. There's certain fan bases, yeah, um, that have like a complex. I would say like the Knicks fans have a complex. Yes. Um, like another extreme to that would be like Lakers fans. Yes, they have a complex. Yes, um, and then there's like teams that have no complex. <laughs> I'm not going to name cities because okay, okay. I get in trouble for this. Okay, but there are we can all we can all sort of think of. Can those you say teams. after the podcast? Or- yeah, for okay. sure. Okay, okay. Where you go to the games and you're like you're you're playing in a road arena and uh-huh. you're like. Why are there more 76ers jerseys oh, in the crowd? Yeah, why uh, are there more yeah, Clippers sad. jerseys yeah. in the crowd? You yeah. know, and it's like, yeah, Knicks fans, they're they're great. They're great. I deal with it in New York when I walk around the streets, you know. Oh, do you they just, tell you? You just see it. You just oh. see it on a daily basis. Are you how would how recognizable do you say you are? I think I have with the, with the baseball cap, you have a pretty good yeah. like Yeah. Um like I could walk by you and be like, I went to high school with that guy. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, that's not JT, right? Just a normal looking white dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think the sleeve kind of the, oh, the sleeve gives sleeve it gives away it now. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like I take the subway most days uh when I'm in New York. Are you serious? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um JJ, you're nuts. And um you crazy. And so like I you know, I get I get spotted. And like it's funny because it's weird. You go to like what a psycho. I probably would get spotted, and maybe it's just a numbers thing, but I yeah. probably would get spotted more in New York City in Manhattan sure. than I would in Roanoke, Virginia, where I grew up. If I was to walk downtown Roanoke, wow! You grew up in Roanoke? Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, I want a very uh, a good friend of mine grew up there. It was a school teacher there. Do you know what high school? Uh, I don't. I can't. Okay, I, I, I could tell you the high school and like. There's really nothing there. There's uh-huh. nothing there. But yeah, I mean, so. Do you get recognized? Yes. You do? Yes. Okay. And I have to, yeah, I, I can't uh, take, I used to love taking the train. I can't take it as much anymore. Okay. Also, you got to understand as a political comedian, it's a charged thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So like, apps, like after the correspondence dinner, like I remember taking the train and, you know, sometimes people are just like, hey man. And you're like, hey, what? Yeah. <laughs> love the set. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you get the opposite end of that though? Correct. 
in person yes to your face yes yes, yes, yes. yeah you know i travel i do i do the road i, I and yeah. i also uh i'm agnostic about where i go i want to travel and i want to yeah. perform in every city yeah do you know what i mean Red sure states blue states purple states. I, it doesn't matter to me doesn't matter yeah I so think. how do you deal with that is this is this does this happen like when you're out to dinner or grabbing lunch before a show or does this happen at a show uh it, it might happen at a show you might get heckled and stuff like that yeah. which is weird because i'm you got to understand like people have paid a theater ticket to come see me and then to yell in a theater to be like, Hey man, I dropped a hundred dollars plus ticket master charges and I'm here to heckle 38 minutes into the show. You're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Like it's a different sort of clientele versus like a, just a person who walked into a club and it's like, this guy's performing. So, uh, yeah, you just, you deal with it in the moment and you just, you know, look, I think, I feel like comedians are better though. Like, with their wittiness and their quips back. Yeah, you're going to lose. Whereas like an NBA player, like yeah. if you're getting heckled at a game, like... There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot. You can do, yeah. There's yeah. really not. Yeah. Do, do paying customers, do you think paying customers have a right to heckle inherently? No, don't ruin the show. Yeah. It's, you, you're put, you're ruining it for everybody else. And here's the crazy part. You're going to lose. This is just a note to all hecklers. You're going to lose. I have a microphone. My yeah. voice is amplified. Yours is not. You're annoying everyone else <laughs> around you. So yeah. it's me plus, yeah. let's say, 1,300 other people who find you annoying. Yeah. It's not going to end very well for you. You're, uh, you're 32. Or yeah, I'm 32. Yeah, I'm about to 33. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you 85 as well? Uh, I'm 84. 84. Okay. 84, yeah. Um, I just turned 34. 32 and 33 were, I'm about, I'm were about great to, years. Oh, really? Were, like, I still felt, Men- felt primish. Mentally, physically? Uh, physically, I feel great, but like mentally primish. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like okay. you're in your prime for me. 34. Like, it, it, sharp. It, yeah, it just hit me a little bit. How many bit. kids do you have? I have two. I have two. Baby yeah. daughter. I know. Yeah, yeah. Five months? Six months. Six months. Jeez. She's so cute, man. Congrats. Thanks, man. I have a four and a two-year-old. They just turned four and two. Yeah. Um, and um, I recently was on Dave Chang, uh, yeah. Mufuku Chef, uh, yeah. you know, Ugly Delicious Netflix show. Yeah. Um, I, w- I went on I went on his pod recently, and yeah. he was talking about sort of the prime years for chefs. And he what he said was like that twenty five to thirty two year um, age is sort of the prime years for chef. And his reasoning was basically like you know enough, you have enough experience, your sort of your creative juices are, are flowing at that age, and you also sort of are still green enough that you don't give a fuck. And you're willing to sort of test boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for an athlete, it's oddly enough sort of the same prime, right? 25 to 32. A lot of that is sort of physical. Like uh-huh. It's just physical maturation and then physical uh-huh. decline. But I think for for comedians, I think it's it's totally different. Can I? I so I, I'll put yeah. it this way. So I started when I was young. So I started yeah. when I was 18. So I'm in like year 14 now. Yeah. So I feel really good on stage. Yeah. But <clears throat> there's this. There's this other key component that I that I know I'm missing that when I, you know, being at The Daily Show and watching John. So there's obviously like talent, which is you're just born with it. Yeah. Number two is like work ethic. But the third, you know, when you take talent and work ethic over time, it pays off. But the third is wisdom. And when you watch someone like a Colbert or a John, we've gotten this conversation, Tommy, their wisdom is off the charts. And comedy is a is a wise person's game. Whoever has the most wisdom usually can drop the, the best jewels. That's one of the best working comedians right now is Dave Chappelle. Yeah. He's been doing it since he was 13 and he's 40 something. So you can only imagine, you know, how, that, how much, you know, that many years of experience. So I think the thing that I have right now is youth, energy, experience, 
I know this stuff on my comedy utility belt, but there's certain things where I have to bridge that gap. And I remember getting ready for the correspondence dinner. I leaned on Steven and uh, Steve Bodo, who's the showrunner of The Daily Show. Those guys who've been doing it and who are older than me to help me sort of, hey, am I being funny here? And am I being a petulant child here? Yeah. Because I I cannot do that on a world stage. Yeah. You got to get me to a place where I sound both appropriate for my age and and not sanctimonious and corny. Sure. You know? But you have to toe that line anytime you do a show, don't you? Isn't it, don't, don't you have to toe that line? Sure, sure. There's certain things like on this show, the show that I'm about yeah. to do, Patriot Act, the topics that we're hitting are big, man. I'm, I'm swinging yeah. after sort of big topics. You got things like affirmative action, the midterms, elections, gerrymandering, you know, these big, yeah. heavy, meaty things that divide people. And- there's a level of nuance required there where you're going to make people mad and to have that sort of comedic wisdom to go, no, yeah. this is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if you felt that way with like, I'm sure there's people in your life that you've met like the Coach K's or who have that. It's just this X factor of in the sea of madness of hot takes and this, that, and the other, <laughs> they're able to just be like, this is what it yeah. is. I think you have to sort of whittle things down Correct. to the core. Correct. And so like in sports and coaching, obviously like, yeah. You, you whittle things down to sort of an objective. Yeah. Um, and I was using this example yesterday with someone about sort of dropping things in a bucket. Yeah. And like, you know, in sports, and I'm sure it's the same way in, yeah. in, in, in your profession, but like you have, you, hopefully you don't have bad days, right? Right, right, right. <clears throat> Hopefully you have <clears throat> great days or good days. Yeah. And every time you have a great day or a good day, you get to put a little drop in a bucket. Some days you maybe get one or two drops three drops, whatever. Yeah. And eventually those drops add up and you've got a full bucket. And that's sort of when you get to that place of wisdom and confidence yeah. where you're essentially, you're in your prime and and really organic, great things can happen. Do you feel where you're at now, the way in which you play, are you able to physically take the big swings that you were able to in say your Orlando days? Or are you like, no, I gotta, I gotta like... <laughs> I got to ease on the gas a little bit because if I do this, a shoulder is popping out. Yeah, or no, I, I, I think you train yeah. your body so you can take it. Yeah. But the, the, I think the thing that you get as an athlete when you, when you age is that <clears throat> you learn to pick and choose your spots. So my base level of sort of conditioning, fitness, strength, like it's the same, if not better than it was, let's say six or seven years ago. Really? And I felt like 26, 27, like that's to me was like as good as I ever felt physically. But you you just learn to like oh, I'm not going to do that right now. So if I drive to the hoop and I and I see DeAndre Jordan coming over to block my shot, <laughs> right, right. like I'm not going to like leave my feet and try to like get into his body or try to reverse. Like I'm probably just going to shoot a floater, right? You know, and try to make him go block the shot. You know, throw it as high as I can. Yeah. yeah. So those are the things you work on. Yeah. That's like what what we're talking about. Like that yeah. that just that's just wisdom. And yeah, you learn you learn to do that. Um, yeah. You learn the tricks of the trade and all that stuff. Sure. Um, it comes. Um, I, I I want to sort of talk about just like the career arc in general yeah, sure. of, of of a comedian sure. and, and yours specifically. Sure. So how did you how did you get into comedy? So I was a big speech and debate kid. Okay. I love speech and debate. So like oratory, sort of argumentation and stuff like that. <clears throat> My dad actually, believe it or not, was a very good orator. He's a very good speaker and uh, loves language and poetry. This is one of those things. I I, he, I think he j- definitely wish he could have pursued that because yeah. he actually knows tons and tons of poem or Urdu, which is the language that we speak is a very poetic language. Right. Uh, did that as a kid. And then I, we didn't have cable growing up in the house. Like my parents were super strict. So I actually thought like when I would watch Seinfeld, like 
the beginning. I thought that was stand up, and I'm like, that's the worst. <laughs> you know, you know the beginning of Seinfeld when he's just like, "What's the deal with laundry?" I'm like, "Oh my god, get to the episode, Jerry." And then oh, you mean the little clips? Yeah, where he's in front of the he's in front of the brick background. The beginning sure. of Seinfeld, sure. it's sure. like cold open. Yeah, it's like, oh god, this is the worst. Get to the episode, <laughs> you know. And then when I got to college, when we were in, I, I don't know if you guys had this at Duke. T3 lines, internet connection was the big thing. Kazaa, Lime, Wire, Naps. Yeah. You could download everything. Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, do you want to see every episode of South Park ever? This was like a revolutionary yeah. pre-streaming. Yeah. So kids would download everything. And so that's when I got introduced to Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, Carlin. And I was really like, that really blew my mind. Where I'm like, they can say that stuff? And it really clicked for me. That's funny speech and debate. You're just presenting an argument in a funnier, interesting way. Right. Um, you just have to have a take and then you provide comedic evidence as to why that take is correct. And then that was just like the game changer. Then while I was in college, I was studying political science. I, you know, was going to potentially go to law school as I was doing stand up, and, uh, then became a big fan of the daily show and all that stuff. But my big break happened probably like four years ago when, when John yeah. hired me to join the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was that a very was, good thing. So there's, there's, then there's obviously the four years in college. You started at 18. 18 yeah, yeah. Four years in college. Yeah. And then there's another like six years. <clears throat> six, there seven years. Yeah, yeah. Where you're just Broke. grinding. Grinding. Yeah. What is, uh, you're obviously a very intelligent guy. Sure. Um, what, what was your parents' reaction when you told I mean, them? They were, they were like really bummed. Yeah. I think, I think the thing was is that I remember I had a really long conversation with my dad when my LSAT score expired. <laughs> we had a deal. We had a deal. Like my LSAT score was like my contract. It was just like my contract, my dream contract. It's good for five years. And it was about to expire. And I just had this really candid conversation with him where I was like, I had been waitlisted at UCLA and USC law school, which are like good, really good law schools, yeah. you know. And uh, I was living in LA, like on an air mattress, you know, just grinding it out. I was like, do you want me to go to, this is a philosophical question. Do you want me to go to law school and pursue a career that I will hate? what like i'll accrue all this debt and then i'll also hate this job uh versus i get to sort of continue to pursue something i love and he's just like we've seen how far love takes you (laughs) You, he was just candid he's like you have so much potential yeah and i think that you could do so much with it you know and so uh it was that was a really tough conversation i remember that was in oh oh nine it was really hard it was really hard we went through a tough spot and then I think they eventually sort of came around after like around 2011. They're like, oh, he's not changing. This is like what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I obviously assume now. Yeah. They're, they're thrilled. Yeah. They're like, so you, so, proud. so you, <clears throat> your big break, uh, daily show, daily four show. years. Yeah. Did the white house correspondence. That was a bit. Yeah. Uh, you had a, a Netflix, uh, comedy yeah. special. Yeah. Now you have uh, a Netflix show. weekly show coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, I think it'd be accurate to say sort of that you are on the cusp, if not already there, of greatness in, in your profession. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. On the way. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to. And um, what, what, when you look back at those six or seven years post-college, pre-daily show. Yeah. Like, what are the emotions <laughs> that you think of? Like, I call them the, the dark ages. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were bad. Um, you know what? I think the best, the thing that it, it did teach me, I call that like the air mattress years. Uh, is it, it just taught me to really, really, uh, figure out what, what is it, what is this all about? Like, why do you do this? And I think when you're not successful, it really does actually drown out the noise. Mm -hmm. It really was about my yellow legal pad 
the air mattress and getting up every night and doing as many sets as I possibly could and just improving myself. And it was really little goals. Like yeah. this year, I want to get a TV credit. This year, I want to I want to make the Just for Last Montreal Festival, which is like a big world comedy festival. Is, is, that, the, is that the one that Blake Griffin? Yeah, that was yeah, one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he hosted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's that. It's like, it's yeah. these little things to go, yeah. hey, I know these things are things that maybe civilians don't care about, but in my career, it matters, you know? Right. It's like- yeah. And so those were my things, these little monkey bars. And it mattered. Those those are the things that I would just train for. Little drops in the bucket. Yeah, little drops in the bucket. Do you keep telling Tommy that? No, it's <laughs> called a callback. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. You know what's not smart? Making the lottery the centerpiece of your retirement plan. You know what else is not smart? Using your relatives to fill in at work while you look for staff. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Reddick to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Reddick. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Reddick, ZipRecruiter.com slash R-E-D-I-C-K. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now back to my conversation with Hassan Minaj. I have, I'm a, I'm a Netflix watcher. Okay. There's a gazillion shows on Netflix. Correct. Why should I watch your show? Because I think this is one of the few shows that actually truly takes advantage of the Netflix platform. This is a global show. Yeah. The topics that we're hitting on the show, you know, you talk about, um, I don't know if this is even a term in basketball, but definitely the, the, the space that it occupies is the white space that hasn't been talked about. I think every show is getting caught up in the shitstorm of Kofefe. This is one of the few shows that is just like, hey, we're flying at 30,000 feet here. Yeah. And I think there's only one other show that really does that, Oliver. But to, yeah, yeah. John Oliver's show. No, 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 I watch his show. Where yeah. it's, where it's yeah. like to go, wow, we have a very interesting relationship with Saudi Arabia. What's up with that? Yeah. Hey, what's going on? You know, we're talking about, hey, democracy is in peril. But what are, what are happening in, with other democratic elections around the world? What can we learn from that? We get caught do, up. In, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? To, no, no. We get caught up in the news cycle of uh, Trump's tweets yeah. or what he said sure. or didn't say, and we're micro dissecting these in the really sto- stupid. Things. And the story isn't done yet. I had this yeah. great conversation with Jordan Klepper, and Jordan told me this. You know, hosting a Daily Show, he goes, "I just felt like anytime we're reporting on something, we're only a third of the way through. Like with everything that's going on, and say the Mueller investigation or Michael Cohen, the, the latest update." It's the story isn't done yet. And I think any great takeaway is only possible if you have closure on a particular topic and then a little bit of time to say, okay, what did we learn from there? And then how does that apply to the present? And so that's what the show is doing. We're picking sort of larger topics and using specific case studies that are attached to something that's happening now. And I think that you know, in 21 minutes or 22 minutes because there's no commercial breaks yeah. and giving it to you almost like it's a visual podcast, I think will add value to people's lives to go, okay, this, this was a funny, interesting listen and watch, you know, basic format of the show. 
Uh, are you interviewing people? Are you sitting on a desk? And if you if you to the viewer, if like you what? if you saw the special, sort of like visual political storytelling. Yeah. So like the screens, the LEDs are all around me, and I sort yeah. of tell the stories through that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about this off Broadway show you did. Sure. It's it was a one man show. Yes. What was it? Uh, it's like a little snippet that comes <laughs> through in your, in your bio, uh, <laughs> like on your Wikipedia page. And yeah. like, I love I love going to shows. Do you go to Broadway? Do you like go to Broadway shows? And stuff like that? I, I go. I go. Yeah, probably like two or three every off season. Are you serious? Yeah, That's actually, great. recently I, I went to. Uh, I took my so my four year old. Yeah, he's been to five shows now. He's going to Frozen on Sunday. Oh my god! Um, I, I don't. I don't think he's going to be an athlete. I just don't see it. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> but he loves Broadway shows. Uh-huh. Um, and so we recently, for his fourth birthday, we we uh, we took him to SpongeBob. Okay. And um, so the like the last yeah, like, the last three weeks, like every time he gets in my car, he's like. Dad, can you play Bikini Bottom Day? <laughs> okay. So I know all the words yeah, yeah, yeah. to uh, that song, Poor Pirates, and uh-huh. um, Chop to the Top. Okay. Three great songs. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would highly recommend the show, by the way. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, so so you you did an off-Broadway show, yes. one-man show. And I've been to some of these sort yes. of off-Broadway shows yes. as well. Did you enjoy them or were you like, that? I shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> I, I should support the big <laughs> Be honest, be honest, be honest. Was it not? Uh, there was one that I went to that was, it was called Cock. Um, uh-huh. And it was about, uh, you know, uh, two two men that were sort of in and out of relationships okay. uh, with with each other, sure. with the opposite sex, okay. and explored a, a bunch of different sort of issues in sure, that sure, community. Sure. Um, and I, I actually thought it was really good. Um, but it's just the, the way the stage was sort of set up in yeah. the room. Yeah, yeah. Like it's such an, it's such an intimate experience yeah. versus um, going to see Mamma Mia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I did it at the, have you seen a show at the Cherry Lane Theater? My no. show was at the Cherry Lane, which okay. I think is one of the best. That's the one, number one, one of the most beautiful neighborhoods in the, in New York City. It's pristine. The, it's a setup on this like cul-de-sac in Manhattan, which is it's really beautiful. Um, and we did, yeah, like almost like a 40 show run there. It was awesome. It was great. The thing that inspired me to do it is just, I had seen sort of Mike Birbiglia, Colin Quinn. I st- had started to see them, and especially a lot of comedians in Europe in the Edinburgh fringe scene, start to break into the theater space. And I was just excited about, hey, comedy can go in this direction. Yeah. And just the way I sort of storytell, it's more than just my voice. There's other things that I refer to that require sort of like visual texture. Um, and I, I, I'm, I really love visual storytelling. It just has a medium. Because I think there's so much more than just like the words and the jokes that can hit you. Yeah. Like a lighting shift can emphasize something, something sort of contextually happening behind me can sort of nail a point home. Um, and that was it was great. And sort of going from that, I then we then transitioned that to Netflix and that became Homecoming King, my special. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, I wanna you've mentioned the White House correspondence dinner yes. a couple times. Yes. Um so I, I watched the speech this morning on the Uber ride up. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was phenomenal. And it okay. was, uh, first of all, it's what kind of, did you like about it? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. Okay. So you actually, there's the, I, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but sure. towards the end, you said like only in America yes. can a Muslim Indian American get up on stage and, and make fun of the president. Yes. And that actually gave me goosebumps. Yes. Um, it makes me very proud to be American actually. Yeah. Yes. And, and you, ca- you sort of captured, I think what a lot of people do feel about America. Yes. Um, when we're, when it's at its best. Yes. Uh, correct. The other takeaway was, <clears throat> like, old white people aren't very hip. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Nope. <laughs> no, there was a joke you used like about like uh, leaving Trump alone to play golf and let the baby putt putt. Yeah, like let that. the baby putt putt. And then you were like, you're like the headline should read like Trump golfing apocalypse delayed. Take the W. Yeah. And people were like, take the W. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right, right. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's got to be, yeah. I mean, you mentioned sort of getting counsel on that. That's got to be, and I talked to, with Seth Myers about this as well when he was on the show, but that's got to be sort of one of the most nerve-wracking things you've done yes. in your career. Yes. But I was excited, man. Yeah. People ask me, like, were you nervous? I'm like, it's the, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I think it is the best gig in comedy. Here's why. For the longest time in your comedy career, Comedy is a very niche thing. Like when you talk about the Oscars, the Grammys, only a certain subsection of the world watches that. When you are on that stage in the White House Correspondence Center, it's being broadcast around the world. America's make no mistake. I mean, we make fun of it. It is, it is a global superpower. In that tradition of making fun of the president and the administration to their face, no other country does that. Even democracies, like modern day democracies, you can't sit and make fun of Theresa May in her face. It does not work that way. And so the world watches. And um, I could feel, I remember when you're sitting on the dais, like I could feel this like eight mile M&M. <laughs> like, but, I, but I really felt yeah. like, you know, I started doing comedy like September, I think September 12th, 2004. And this was April 29th, 2017. It was yeah. just like this culminating moment, 13 years in the making, like, all of those days went into this, yeah. and it was just like you're ready, man. You've done over, you've done over like a hundred sets. You've memorized this, like you know this. So I was, ex- I was like giddy. I was really yeah. excited. Yeah. How long did it take to prepare for that? Because I, I get what you're saying. Like I, I would, first of all, like if I ever had to do something like that, well, it wouldn't be for comedy. But yeah. like I, I would be really nervous. But I felt like there's a level of preparation that I put into games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that I'm not nervous. Certain yeah. games you are. And then do you, you feel the flow, right? So I felt the flow seven yeah. minutes in. Yeah. So I was really like, I yes. could feel the heart going. Yeah. And then if you watch the set, like right around like 728, I got really into my groove. Yeah. And then go when I was coming to the end, I actually dropped my note cards going into the conclusion. But I was like, yeah. don't, don't worry. You have it memorized. So I, I picked them up. And then I knew my closing statement, but. So your closing statement to me was like, that's the, I was sort of the part that I was like, I was feeling. Yeah. yeah, I was feeling. So like you could tell that legitimately came from like a, like a genuine, open, honest place. Yes. Yes. Um, So much of it, I assume has to do with your experience. In my life growing up in America. Yeah. 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 And it, it got me thinking about like comedy, diversity in comedy. Yes. Sort of. You know, the, all these sort of hot topic buttons that we talk about now in, in America in 2018. And one of the things, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but one of the things that I find really interesting about your your whole style, your whole shtick, whether it's performing, the words you use, sure. um, how you look, like there's a, there's an, it's you're you're like the melting pot of America. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay. Because there's such an appropriation of all these different cultures. Sure, sure. I mean, you've, you've got a you've got a hipster haircut. Okay. <laughs> you, you've got some old school Nike's on your yeah, your yeah. sneaker head. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you know, you you've referenced Eminem, you've referenced hip hop. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some of your stuff where you yeah. you're, you're talking about going back to India like you're, yeah, you're yeah, a, totally. a rapper. And so yeah. it's just it's really interesting to yeah. me to sort of see all of those all of those things sort of reflected in your in your on stage yeah, style, it's yeah. it's, it's super don't, interesting. But don't you feel like 
and I, and maybe this is like a byproduct of, of when we grew up and when we sort of the way we're seeing the world evolve and change, especially because of the internet. No one is one thing. Yeah. And and I would say this is going to sound whatever sanctimonious or corny, but it's like, haven't you felt the more you've traveled and the more people you've met? These sort of long-standing things that you held on to. Yeah. Me growing up in Davis, maybe you growing up in Roanoke, Virginia. Yeah. You're like, that's ah, not an absolute like that. I'm yeah. not just sort of one thing. Yeah. Um. And and no one else is either. Nobody else is. I either. always I always sort of just you know acknowledge that what basketball this game yeah has allowed me to do yes you know it's it's allowed me to travel the i played basketball in china in europe yeah in south america twice in mexico um to the north in canada like i played basketball all over the world and so because of that yeah not even traveling outside of basketball just because of that yeah met all these different people yes from all these different cultures and experienced all these different things growing up in roanoke virginia you know, I was, uh, I think I was 14, ninth grader. I got asked to play on the 17 and under AU team on the other side of the state in Hampton wow. Roads. I was the only, I was the only white kid on the team. Wow. And there's that exposure level, but then there's inherent, there's inherent things that like you're, 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 what you're saying, you're holding on to. And I think our generation is like breaking down, down those inherent biases. Yes. Um, because the world is so inter- interconnected now. Yes. Does that make sense? I 100% agree. Yeah. I 100% agree. But we're very lucky, man. Yeah. I, I say this all the time. Comedy is one of the few things where I really do feel like I'm I'm a member of the X-Men. Yeah. Everybody has, like, these different superpowers and skill sets <laughs> and backgrounds. For real. Like, yeah. like, when you meet different comedians, you're like, the the on any given bill that I perform, I'm, I, I've said this often. I'm like, if we were in high school, we would never be friends with each other. But this thing brought us together. It's the 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 thing that comedy has allowed me to do, and people treat it as the be all and end all. I think that's when it's foolish. It's just a conduit to to enriching myself as a human being. Does that? You, yeah, you I know what you're saying. Like, I think I do you feel so, that the same way with basketball, right? I feel like I the do. conversation. I, I feel begins like with I that. feel like you know it wasn't always this way, but like I, because of my experiences from like ninth grade on, like yeah. you you actually end up going out of your way to find commonalities with other people, and you realize that most people are fairly similar and yeah. that we all sort of, we all suffer from the same things. We all enjoy the same things, yeah. um, maybe you, in different ways. What do you but. think your biggest accomplishment has been? Can I tell you what I think you're, well, for me as a, a fan of the game, but what do you think your biggest accomplishment has been in the league? As In the league? Yeah. Just professionally. Um, I mean, I, I say longevity. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I would say one of the coolest things to see is I don't and I don't know how much you paid attention to this to the noise, but like whenever the draft happens, there's always like the pundits around the league being like, "Is this going to pan out? Is this not? Yeah. Is this player not going to pan out?" And I think the consensus was is like Reddick's not going to pan out in the league. Yeah. It's too small. He's this. He's yeah. like he was a shooter in college, but he flourished in this Duke system. Duke players don't translate. Like that was like a big yeah. thing, right? And then for you to have a long career, I think is the biggest middle finger yeah. to like to that. <laughs> Yeah. Wouldn't you agree or no? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, the one thing I would say to that, yeah, and I've always done this, and I don't know if somebody told me this. I think my dad actually probably said this to me sometime in high school, but like, I've tried my best. I've never used negativity as motivation. Really? And and I know a lot of guys do. Like, 
guys tweet about the haters, right? We talk, uh, like, <laughs> we as NBA players, like we're obsessed with the haters. Guys uh, are obsessed with the haters. And so I never channeled the. I, you know what? There, I got. I'm going to share one example. Okay. 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 So do you remember message boards? Yeah. So like before Twitter, before yeah, yeah. Instagram, like there were message boards sure, and there sure. was this uh, <laughs> Virginia high school league message board when I was in high school. And uh, I was on there like the week before our state semifinal game, my senior year. Yeah. And there was like some quote from the guy who was going to guard me in the semifinals. He was like all state cornerback. Right. So he's like five. I'm going to lock him down. Quick. I'm yeah, going to yeah. lock him down. He's yeah, not going to yeah. score on me, whatever. Yeah. And um, so I like printed off, like on my home computer, printed off this, uh-huh. this sheet of paper and I gave it to an assistant coach. He didn't know what was in it. And he gave it to assistant coach. Um, I was like, just hold on this. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to need it after the game. Right. Uh-huh. So we won by like 25. I had 34 points. Wow. And like, we're going to like shake hands in the, in the post game line. Yeah. And I walk over to the assistant coach and I get ready to like ask him for the sheet of paper. And I have this moment where I'm like, this is not the person I want to be. Like, this is not the person I want to be. I don't want to, oh, I don't like th- where Michael Jordan Hall of Fame speech type no, of vibe. Yes. Because yeah. you know what? It's never ending. You do it once, you do it twice, and it just becomes a cycle yeah, yeah. of negativity, responding to ne- negativity. Like, I would rather my sort of motivation and, uh, and enjoyment and sense of accomplishment come from something that sort of is internal. Okay. Um, so what's that burn? What is that thing? Um, I think it's... Ah, oh, man, that's tough. I think it, part of it is just taking pride. Like my dad, you know, did not have an illustrious career in, in, in sort of the, the, you know, successful sense of the word. Uh-huh. Was um, he an athlete as well? No. Okay. I mean, he was a counselor. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he went to work every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what he did. He went to work every day. Yeah. So I, I took that from him. I saw him. He had five kids. Like at one point, wow. you know, we had five kids um, my dad was unemployed for 18 months when I was nine years old mm-hmm. and he would just do odd jobs to, to basically pay groceries. We, we had a 19, we had one car at the time. It was a 1983 Honda Civic. Nice. Like all seven of us would pile in there. Hopefully the statute of limitations has ran out on that. And so I took that from him and then, sure. and then, so like, that's part of it for me. It's just like the work. Like I enjoy the work. Yeah. I enjoy the work. I enjoy the process of getting better. Me too. Like, yeah. like it's what you were best. talking about in slow grind. Right. Yeah, yeah, I love that, that actually to me is like probably what I love most about my Can job. Can I ask you a question? How yeah. many shots were you shooting in middle school? Oh, I, I mean, I've hundreds of shots a day since I was like 12, probably. Yeah. hundred like in before I can, I was be, actually before school. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to let people yeah. know this on the record. Cause yeah. a, there's a lot of people like when you're in like middle school, high school or whatever, you look at NBA players and you're just like, well, yeah, like they have the best trainers in the world, blah, 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 blah. I've argued with friends where I'm like, yeah. you got to understand this person was probably taking six to 800 jump shots a day when we were 13, yeah. when we were all chugging Mountain Dew Code Red. And eating frozen pizza and getting up late. <laughs> he got up at six. Yeah. This is pre-Adidas contract, pre-Nike, yeah. pre-Coach K. So you're 13 years old. How many shots are you taking? Yeah. So like at that age, like junior high school, high Se- school. Seventh grade. I'm going, I'm going to school. 730? Beforehand, or like we had two athletic clubs. So like okay. we had the rack and the CAC. I used to sneak in the CAC because like, you know, we uh-huh. didn't have a we didn't have a membership there. Yeah, yeah. But I would sneak into one of those. I would sneak into the junior high school. And like, I didn't have a rebounder. That's the other thing. I didn't have a trainer. Or a yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was thinking about this the other day because I almost didn't have a rebounder this past weekend in Florida. And I was like, I'm gonna have to start spinning the ball to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you would literally, and I would spin the ball to myself. Okay. 
And I'd sprint off the screen, go get the ball, okay. shoot it, go get my own rebound, go back to the same spot. And it's just this repetitive How many days a week? thing. How many days? I would do that every day. I mean, like, are you serious? Oh yeah. I was like 13 years old. Oh yeah. I play basketball every day at that age. Every no, no, day. No, but before age. school, this is an important data point, JJ. It's very uh, important. I would say, yeah. Cause we all, cause I, I, I remember I, like, I played after school. Well, like don't compare so, yourself to a civilian no, 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 like no. me. I mean, a hooper. A weekend before warrior, school, if you will. Yes. Most mornings, yes. Uh, I wouldn't say every day before school, but like I remember my senior year, like even um uh there was that jumping program. I don't know if you remember. Dude, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> air alert? Air alert. Come on, come on, yes, JJ. Air alert. You're talking to a wannabe yeah. failed athlete. Yeah. And me and my buddy were like, we're gonna do air alert. Uh-huh. For the whole fall before basketball season. So we would get up and we'd sneak into the CAC at like 6 a.m. and we'd go do the air alert program. Sure. Uh, no, but I mean, look, if you I, like, so that's, that's that's what I took from my dad, like the work ethic part of it. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just enjoy that. The, and then the other side of it was like the other sort of motivation is like the competitive side. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so there's like you have to sort of feed your ego. You have to feed your 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 sense of worth. Right. And yeah, so yeah. like. For everybody, it's different. For me, a lot of that is is the competitive outlet, mm-hmm. and that is what I took from my mom. Got it. So my mom is like the the person who like family Scrabble games yeah. would, would like cheat. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's a, and it just end up in a fight every time. And so uh-huh. like I like there's and I, I don't think you can teach that. I'm the middle of five kids. No, but I I I don't think it's taught. Like me and my older sisters, like we are so competitive. Uh-huh. To the point now where they're like 39 with kids and their mothers and they're successful and they're still just like, uh-huh. they take any fucking slight <laughs> yeah, so yeah, personal. Yeah. yeah Even yeah. if it's against me, like they're just so competitive. Yeah, I, You do not rub me as a middle child. You rub yeah. me as either a youngest really? or an eldest. Mm, interesting. The, the sort of chip a little bit. Yeah. My, my older sisters who are five years older than me and helped raise me. Yeah. They always tell me like we look at you as our older brother oh that's interesting and they're like to me they're my heroes so i'm like this is this is fucking weird uh-huh wait, wait what is your what is your do you have a brother sister i have a younger sister younger sister yes she's an attorney okay yeah <laughs> great great yeah, yeah, yeah i love it yeah. uh all right well i know you you gotta go you just got a, a call that that you gotta get out of here so sure. any uh, yeah any, any last questions no, we covered everything. Man. Are you serious? Okay. Yeah, we always cover everything. This is everything. really fun, man. Yeah, this is fun. I really appreciate you taking the yeah, time. Yeah, thanks for taking I the time. I will be watching the show. Um, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Cool. So congrats on all your success. Thanks. And, and thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll be back soon. We're going to re- record a couple episodes on our upcoming trip to China uh, with some of my teammates and, and Dallas Mavericks players. Uh, We're also hoping to get the prodigal son, Ben Simmons, on very soon and uh, looking forward to the start of training camp next week. Um, If you have any questions or comments, please don't hit me up on Twitter because I don't have an account anymore. Um, You can send all of your hate mail or compliments, if you want, to to The Ringer. Um, All right. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys soon.